Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today for this episode of The Journey Podcast. We are your hosts, Kav Dadfer and Jordan Banks, and today we are joined by adventurer and award-winning freelance travel writer, Ian Packham. Ian, how are you? Hi, very well, thank you. And you are, where are you based today? So I'm now in Sheffield, having moved around uh, the UK various times over the past 10 years. Fantastic, fantastic. And uh, also joining us today is Jordan Banks. Jordan, how are you doing? Hey, how are you doing, fellas? You all right, Ian? Cav, how's things? Good, good, thank you. And Jordan, good, you, are, you are busy working away in your den in Maidenhead, I understand. That's correct, yeah. I'm in Berkshire in Maidenhead, or Maidenhead in Berkshire. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, trying to procrastinating most of the day it's friday isn't it so <laughs> taking it easy fantastic right well we're going to dive straight in and um ian you are a uh, you're an adventurer uh, a motivational speaker uh, an explorer an award-winning travel writer uh, is there anything you can't do oh uh, many many things uh, photography being one of them definitely <laughs> well I, th- I think I think your other skill sets certainly make up for that um, so I want to I want to start by talking uh, to you about your incredible uh, adventure uh, across Africa um, so tell us a bit about that tell us what it was and uh, how, how you got started and, and what made you actually want to do it okay so um... I called it Encircle Africa, and and the basic idea was to uh, circumnavigate the coast of Africa overland by publicly available transport. So that's the sorts of uh, minibuses and motorbike taxis and canoes and all those sorts of things that the locals use to get around on the coast of Africa. And that really came out of a an idea I was looking for a longer term bit of travel to do and I was first thinking about 
uh, traveling from London to Sydney overland and working out that first bit of how I get across either Europe or North Africa, I suddenly realized that Africa was a much more enticing proposition for me. Um, so that's what I did and it ended up being a trip of 13 months and 25,000 miles and, and really one that changed my life because it's from that, that slowly and surely I, I became the full-time freelance travel writer as well as adventurer and speaker that I am today. Fantastic. And, and obviously it was such an incredible trip that you, uh, it drew the attention of a, of, of a certain famous adventurer himself. Indeed. Um, I had some very uh, lovely friends who managed to contact uh, none other than Michael Palin somehow and convinced him to send me just a little um, sort of good luck message for the trip, which, which was uh, amazing. And I've still got framed and will come out of the box once I've unpacked my new house. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, I've, I've got no doubts in my mind that across your, uh, you know, 13 months, you would have probably had quite a number of interesting stories, but also probably precarious situations that you got yourself in. Any that kind of stick in your mind? I think the first thing to say is that actually it, it was um, a pretty easy trip in the sense that, you know, you think you're going to Africa, there's gunmen and muggers and all sorts all over the place, um, which I discovered really wasn't the case. And that's kind of how I, I fell in love with Africa, and which is what I write about mostly. But there were occasional dodgy instances um, there was a one night I was in this little out of the way town in, I think it was in Guinea or somewhere like that. And I was just eating uh, sort of uh, just plain couscous with a sauce as, as they do over there. And this like seriously drunk guy uh, approached me. Um, he was so drunk, I had no idea whether he was speaking French or English or, or something else. Um, and it, I think it was fairly clear that he, he was wanting my seconds so what I didn't finish he was going to have so I wasn't enjoying the meal anyway it wasn't great but I ate every last grain of that couscous just so he couldn't uh, get any of it uh, and when I finished uh, I went off with the uh, proprietor who was this uh, quite a young girl to find some change and she turned to me and went who is that guy I, like, I don't know I thought you knew him <laughs> fantastic fantastic well I mean I mean that that is uh you know certainly eating food that you didn't enjoy is 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 you know not so bad but I suppose uh, at the time it would have been uh yeah quite a precarious situation so did you have any of the trip pre-planned or did you literally kind of land and just you know make it up as you go did you have anything sort of booked did you literally kind of do it as you were getting in places so i started in uh, gibraltar and then sailed across the strait of gibraltar to tangier in morocco so gibraltar was the only place i had booked my first two or three nights there uh, other than that i i had planning in the sense of i knew roughly how long it would take to travel through each country so i knew it was going to take me about a year and then obviously it took the 13 months through various little delays along the way wow well it's it is absolutely incredible and um you know i'm i'm incredibly incredibly uh 
in admiration of what you've actually done because it is phenomenal and um what was your kind of favorite part of it what was the what was the part that sticks out as as kind of wow this was completely you know not what i was expecting you know it, it was just those everyday interactions with locals particularly in places like sierra leone and liberia and nigeria the places where you only hear really bad stuff in this country and they were so welcoming and so helpful to me going out of their way to direct me to the right sort of bus stop um, making sure i was safe wanting to show me really that there was something more to their country than their reputation and that those are the things that stick with me daily now still fantastic and you know if someone wanted to kind of travel through africa and obviously you know possibly not not do what you've done but if they wanted to go to these countries like liberia the, the places where you know we do have these preconceived ideas would you have any advice for them would you would you first of all would you actually say yes go for it and and then would you have any advice on how they could actually go about doing it safely and actually being able to enjoy it I think there's fundamentally no unsafe country in Africa if you're prepared. So you need to do a bit of pre-trip research, making sure every so often, you know, there might be a flare up in violence. It generally doesn't affect tourists, but you might want to just check out on that. You want to check out guidebooks and, and other things that can just give you a sense of what to expect um, from a destination and you probably don't want to head to somewhere like Liberia for your very first trip to Africa but once you've done one of the um, sort of easier countries if I can put it in that way then by all means go and you're sure to have a great time. Fantastic and you're uh, obviously this is uh, led to a book that you've written and Circle Africa around Africa by public transport uh, and and that's published as a ebook and paperback, and uh, and people can still buy that now. Exactly, best place to get that is uh, probably direct from me from my website, which is encircleafrica.org, or just search for my name on Google should come up. Um, and that really came about. That wasn't the intention from the trip, but I met um, two or three travel writers en route. Uh, and um, they were reading the blog that I was just writing for family and friends and said, you know, you, you, can, you can write well and you've got an interesting story to tell, so you should do something with it. Um, so uh, I did self-publish it because, you know, it was the beginning of my career. I was doing everything backwards uh, and really I was too scared to approach publishers for it. So I just did it myself. Fantastic. And, uh, and it's, it's sure to be a great read. Um, so I just want to kind of ask you about your writing. Um, obviously, you said that this Africa trip sort of really put you on the path to, to becoming a, a full-time freelancer. Um, how did you sort of develop your style of writing and, and what sort of inspirations and influences did you have along the way to sort of get you to where you are today? I think my style kind of came out of that initial blog. This was the time, it was 10 years ago, sort of three weeks ago. Um, th that I left for in Circuit Africa. This was a time when blogs were still very much something you wrote for your friends and family, so you didn't have to bother contacting them individually. So I had that sort of natural conversational style of um, people knowing me, which I think hopefully I've continued. 
But my my inspirations, I suppose, I'm very much a, a BBC child. I grew up uh, watching David Attenborough nature documentaries and Michael Palin's travelogues, of course. Um, and they both have this way of imparting knowledge without being preachy. And that's kind of what I'm aiming for. Fantastic. Um, I mean, I, I, I must confess, I haven't actually done a lot of Africa. Uh, I, I still have a lot of places on my bucket list from Africa. Um, Jordan, have you done much of Africa? Yeah, nothing like Ian, a bit embarrassing compared to him. But uh, yeah, I've done the classic sort of, um, you know, down south in southern Africa, Botswana and Namibia for the uh, wildlife, uh, South Africa. A bit more central, I went out to Uganda. I think one of my first ever assignments actually was to Uganda. I don't know, did you make it to Uganda in or is that not on route really? So that wasn't on my coastal route, but I'm hoping maybe next year might be the time to finally get there. Yeah, one of the ones I actually, I probably, but you went through, I'm assuming I, I did a, or tried to do a story on uh, voodoo in Benin and Togo. So I threw into uh, Ghana and then crossed over through Benin and Togo, which I assume is on was on your route. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah absolutely yeah I, I had quite the experience there I was um nothing like actually dangerous or anything bad but I, I did find it alarmingly hard work to navigate my way around and find transport and do anything I think be constantly I'm being in a search for cash it just there's never cash yeah. machines and it was very hard to sort of my, my whole trip just seemed to be running to a different cash machine and spending money faster than I could get it out basically <laughs> I do remember that <laughs> <laughs> But all a good experience. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Africa. And I uh, I think I just listened to what you were saying as well. I love the fact that you, um, how you sort of just went out and did it as well. And that has led to a career, you know, really just getting, not just waiting for it to sort of try and come to you. You just went out and got it. I really, I love that. And I love the fact that you went to Africa and went somewhere different. I think that's so exciting. And yeah, really, really amazing story how it came about. Yeah, I think, uh, so it's, it's just me then. I mean, I've done a couple of bits in Africa, but nothing like you guys. So it's just me. So um, yeah, if any, if there are any PRs listening, then uh, if they want to send me away for a year to Africa, um, I'm all ears. Um, so I just want to um, kind of to ask you about, obviously, the last 18 months. Uh, you know, every travel writer is, has, has kind of traveled, uh, has struggled because of the kind of the lack of travel opportunities. What have you been doing keep, to keep yourself busy and, you know, how have you managed to cope, basically? Yeah, it's been interesting. I mean, I've been a full-time travel writer for four and a half years, and one and a half of those years have been in the midst of a global pandemic. Um, I lost sort of 90% of my work over three, not, over three days before even the first lockdown in the UK. Um, so I had a very quiet six months and then things thankfully started picking up again at the end of last year. I had lots of people coming to me and saying, actually, I've had this idea that I've been thinking about for a long time, but never had the time to do anything about it. But now I do. Are you interested in getting involved? So that tidied me over uh, together with the fact most of my clients aren't UK based, but are based in Europe and Australia. Um, who seem to have started up with the travel a bit quicker than we have here in this country. So I'm pretty much back to where I was pre-pandemic, though I haven't, I don't think I've left the country in that whole 18 months. Well, uh, yeah, and um, I, I wonder what one of those projects were that got in touch and said, if you'd like to be involved. But um, <laughs> that kind of leads us nicely to, uh, to obviously journey and um, 
you know, where did you hear about it and, and what kind of made you want to get involved? Yeah, so I missed the initial crowdfunding. I think I'm not cool enough to have been aware of that. But um, <laughs> basically, as soon as you got uh, funded, I started seeing tweets and stuff uh, about it. And it instantly looked like this really cool magazine that would be great to be a part of. Um, and then there was a call for non-wildlife Africa stories um, via the British Guild of Travel Writers. Um, and I was like, ah, that's perfect for this idea I have of talking about banana islands in Sierra Leone. And then it just went on from that. Yeah, and I think, and I think certainly, you know, when we saw your pitch, I think that's something that really stood out was how, how different it was and, um, you know, how unique it was. And I think, you know, at that point, everyone has heard of all these islands like, you know, the Sandwich Islands and all these other islands. Well, the Banana Islands was completely new. And um, so, so obviously, through your journey through Africa, you would have had a lot of stories. You would have had a lot of, um, you know, non-wildlife stories. What made you choose the Banana Islands, you know, as the one to pitch? So actually, interestingly, on that a big trip around Africa, I never got to the Banana Islands um, because I was on such a tight budget, I couldn't afford the boat across uh, to get there, let alone actually stay on them. Um, and then this opportunity came up um, 2017, I think it was initially, to um, spend five months on the island, um, helping out uh, one of the guest houses there. Um, and so I kind of fell in love with the islands during that time, re-fell in love with Sierra Leone as a country uh, and thought really it deserved um, better being better known in the world than it was. Because as you say, uh, you hadn't heard of it, despite the fact that, you know, in Sierra Leone, it's one of the main destinations you go to as a tourist. Yeah, I think I think that's and that's what was so fantastic about it was that it is somewhere that, um, you know, like you said, obviously, since then, having done the research, I found out that, yes, it is a, a kind of a main destination, but it, it's not well known. And and I think, you know, the, the one part of this that for our part, when we were kind of putting the magazine together, um, as you can probably imagine, there was, there isn't a lot of photographic coverage of the banana islands and i know that was a huge challenge on our part to actually be able to you know put the feature together with the photos that were going to do your you know incredible writing uh, justice so jordan obviously you being the picture editor of the magazine how did you go about actually you know putting this together because it was a tough job it was a tough one as you know um, ian probably doesn't quite maybe know how tough it was probably appreciates how tough it was but he definitely made us work on that one so we 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 were really looking, I mean, it was hard to sort of match the pictures up and do it justice. So we really, from anything we could find, so we were really just searching, licensing off different photographers because we wanted to make it, you know, not have that sort of fake feel. We wanted that real human element. We didn't want that sort of social media. We wanted it to be real life and quite raw, but also show how great this place could be and was and what's worth visiting. And there's very few places you see where it's really that remote so we wanted the photographs to come across but it was certainly a challenge like just searching and searching and then obviously Ian, you were getting emails from us weren't you is this the right place have we got it right is it yeah. you know is everything captioned correctly because 
you know, there's not much there, is it? It's very remote and, you know, it looks like paradise, but yeah, it was hard work, definitely. But I think we got there in the end. I was happy with what we came out with and hopefully Ian was as well <laughs> and the readers. Yeah, I think it captures the islands and what I was specifically saying about the islands incredibly well. Yeah, good. I'm, I'm glad. We, I mean, we were looking and we did talk to some people about, you know, if it was a possibility to get a photographer out there. And hopefully in future issues, the world, but obviously this time around, you know, with the pandemic and everything that was going on, it just wasn't an option. So, yeah, hopefully in future we could get someone to either, you know, go with the writer or with obviously that in this case wasn't a, an option, but someone to go out and sort of really revisit and shoot it for us. But needs must, as it were, with the situation we're in, I guess. So I'm glad we did a good job anyway. <laughs> Yeah, and um, and I think that is that is a challenge, obviously, for um, any writers out there as well. You know, if, if you can kind of take photos and send in photos, you know, that that can kind of go into a magazine, it does make things a lot easier. But um, so obviously with the pandemic and hopefully, dare I say, lockdown slowly ending and travel being accessible again, uh, have you got anything lined up, Ian? Have you got any projects lined up? Have you got any places that you're, you're kind of, got on your list to to visit uh what's what's your sort of plans for the next few months so as you might imagine i'm pretty desperate to get back to africa um and my plan as soon as it's possible is to head off down to to southern africa um and and the way i tend to work is i'll do two or three months stint in a particular region uh, and see as and experience as much as i can which both helps just experience and with future knowledge, but getting ideas almost, it's almost like a recce for future trips. Um, and, and that's how I like to do it. So that will be my plan, starting in uh, South Africa and then heading around uh, Malawi, Zimbabwe, Zambia, Botswana, those sorts of countries. Fantastic. What a, what a trip that would be. And uh, I know I certainly will be... Uh watching your social media and tweets and then subsequent articles that come come from that because it sounds amazing um so sort of just just closing up um if you could only travel to one country for the rest of your life or one place to the rest of your life where would it be <laughs> oh <laughs> um can i have two is that allowed uh, yeah i think i think we can we, i think we can give you two okay go ahead with two <laughs> okay so in africa i think it would have to be cape town which is uh, a staggeringly fine city and i don't say that lightly it's got this incredible combination of natural location and history and culture but it's also got this vibe that seems to say that whoever you are and wherever you come from you're you're welcome in cape town and the other, uh, it would have to be Malta because I've got lots of family over there and I could happily see myself uh, living out the rest of my life there too. Fantastic. But both great destinations. I've actually been to Cape Town and Malta, but Cape Town and uh, yeah, I can, I can vouch for, for it being a great city. Um, Jordan, can you see yourself uh, choosing either Cape Town or Malta as your one destination? Yeah, either of those. I think uh, I'd probably choose Cape Town. I have been to Malta, but I was only young. But uh, Cape Town's one of my favourite cities in the world. So yeah, I'd probably uh, I'd go with that one. I think. 
But um, I think we've uh, just about finished up to today, haven't we, guys? So that's been really, really great, Ian, sort of join us. I really appreciate it. It's been absolutely amazing um, listening to your story, how you got involved, you know, tips, advice, little tricks and everything. So I know you mentioned it before, just one last time, can you uh, let us know how people can find you, follow you, that sort of thing? Yes, so... If you go to encircleafrica.org, um, then you can see all about me and my adventures. There's loads of guides to sort of the stranger parts of Africa where there's not a lot of information. And there's also a portfolio of uh, some of my stuff. Or you can just search for Ian M. Packham on Google. And there's me and a doctor in Surrey. You should be able to work out which one is the travel writer. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, yeah, that's uh, any last comments, fellas. I'll we'll wrap it up for today. Thanks both for being here. Appreciate it. Much, Ian. It's, uh, it's been great. And uh, thank you for everyone for listening. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.